0: Hi friends and welcome to the Story Forge podcast. Lyle Smith here, I'm your host, and there's a lot going on this week. Uh, There are protests at a variety of state houses around the country, uh, people who say they want their governors to overturn the stay-at-home orders and let them go back to work or let them reopen their businesses. Um, They say they don't really care so much about the health care consequences. They care about uh, restarting the economy and and making a living, uh, which is a legitimate uh, concern, uh, but safety I think needs to needs to come first. That's just one man's opinion. Uh, some of these protesters uh, they're reporting are connected to some pretty far right extreme uh, groups, and at least in one place in Denver, um, the protest that is car based it's a it's a parade of cars going around the statehouse shouting and waving signs. Uh, the counter protest is a handful of healthcare workers standing in the middle of the driving lanes and blocking these cars from going around the statehouse. And it's really, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of impressive, if you ask me. Last week, the PPP program, the Paycheck Protection Plan, ran out of money. So uh, this this program that was designed to help small businesses survive this time ran out of cash and there's a lot of reporting that bigger, big businesses uh, over the 500 employee limit, why 500 employees is a small business is beyond me. But that's another question for another time. So these large companies got very large loans uh, out of this program without being the small businesses the program was designed for. So there's some weaknesses in the program. Uh, Congress is poised, they say, to refund the program uh, with more money this week. Hopefully that happens. Hopefully more businesses get, to get the help they need. The Shake Shack, uh, originally founded by uh, New York restaurateur Danny Meyer, uh, but now they have a CEO by the name of Randy Garudi. He got for The Shake Shack, which is a chain restaurant uh, with more than 8,000 employees, he got a $10 million loan from this program that was supposed to be for small businesses. And today he announced that they were giving that loan back, um, presumably because of uh, opposition from from people not understanding why an 8,000 employee company got a loan under a small business uh, format. So, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on out there and uh, it's, um, it's, it's getting, you know, people are tired of being home. People are anxious to get back to work. But the, the disease is still out there, and it's still doing its thing, and it hasn't crested in a lot of places yet. Here in Florida, they're, they're saying, you know, the highest activity for COVID-19 is going to be in the next two weeks. So we really have to keep doing our social distancing and doing the responsible thing. Uh, Our governor here, Ron DeSantis, last week, uh, after first saying he was considering reopening the schools, came out and said, no, we're going to keep the schools closed for the rest of the the scheduled school year, which a lot of parents uh, were in favor of. So, um, you know, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of animated conversation about all of these things. And, you know, we'll see how things go. Um, we're all trying to navigate it as best we can. So today we're talking to my friend, Jim Ridgway. Uh, he's, he lives in the San Francisco area. He is a 23 year Navy veteran retired. Um, he, uh, was a pilot. He was a commander, um, of a group in Florida at one time doing intelligence on piracy off the Somali coast and was involved in uh, some of the work that was done to support all the teams during what became known as the Captain Phillips incident. He uh, he was, you know, he ran uh, a naval operation in Alameda, California, where he was basically the face of the Navy in the Bay Area. Uh, He's a pretty interesting guy. And after that, he did about six years working with uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, where he ran a fairly large group of people, and uh, and now he he is actually between opportunities right now, as we say. So he's, uh, he's in the job market during a pandemic, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him. The other reason I wanted to talk to him was um, a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago now, the night... Uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed an order, basically closing six counties around San Francisco, all in one stroke of a pen. I thought, who do I know in California? Who can I talk to to find out what's going on out there and how it's how it feels to be involved in what's going on? And of course, it's it's gotten to be this way in a lot of places of the country now, but um, California was sort of the first to do it in a in a big, widespread way. So that's why we spoke to Jim. Uh, And it was a great conversation. He shed a lot of light on things, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. I'm gonna start right there and say, so Gene Roddenberry Jr. is a a friend from the past decade. Yeah. That's kind of interesting.
1: It is. So I was assigned in the Navy in san diego and I'm, i've been a scuba diver since before i joined the navy since uh, 1988 and i was in san diego in 2009 i had just come back from what they call an individual augmentation so during the global war on terror they would rip officers and enlisted people out of their jobs and send them to support the war effort for short periods of time you know less than a tour so i spent seven months in tampa at central command headquarters running the maritime desk okay. uh, which most of what i did was track somali pirates and another interesting little tidbit was during my stay there uh, we had a little thing called the Marisk alabama happen and so uh, i was actually on the cat team for for the action that ended that hostage situation which turned into a movie called captain phillips right right no
0: kidding. Uh, the cat the cat
1: team uh crisis action team got it yeah and so uh i came back from that that temporary assignment in mid 2009 and i had found out through my scuba diving partners about an event at la jolla shores and it was run it was hosted by rod roddenberry and the roddenberry dive team and Rod has been a big diver for a long time. So I got to meet him that day. That was July of 2009. And we became fast friends and we did a lot of scuba diving together in Southern California, which was great. I uh, got to, I've been fortunate to go to several of uh, his holiday parties, which uh, are, can be very interesting depending on your <laughs> level of interest in th- all things, Star Trek. and at the same time uh, for for a while I was the social media manager for his Facebook and Twitter accounts for the Roddenberry Dive Team which eventually became Roddenberry Adventures and Rod is passionate about philanthropy mm-hmm. he cares deeply about the planet mm-hmm. the environment and the people who live on the planet so exposure to him really pinged with me and gave me an outlet for how I feel about the planet and the environment Uh, When it comes to people, I'm less, uh, less forgiving than Rod is. (laughs) Fair enough. But the the creatures and the oceans uh, and through Rod, I've met Sylvia Earle who, who I I like, I I jokingly refer to as my 83 year old girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, If you know who she is, uh, but she, she's fantastic. Her daughter, Liz Taylor uh, is, is fantastic. And I've met, all kinds of fantastic people in the environmental movement through, really through rod uh, through one interaction with him, he set up an event and then that just opens new doors
0: that's so really that's interesting how how something like that, just you know meeting someone along the way, mm-hmm. uh, even someone you know running in a, a different circle than your own uh, <laughs> can really open up your perspective on something
1: oh, yeah. And it got to the point uh, last couple, uh, almost two years ago, I, I had my 50th birthday at Rod's house. I, I basically informed him that we were going to party at his house in L.A. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a great time. So he, he's, he is a very, very good human being, and, and I appreciate him a lot. So, and I've told him so. Well, it's important to have
0: good human beings in your life that way. <laughs> yes.
1: So you know, that, that's, that's sort of that connection and, and where I get my environmental activism from.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I, was, I uh, you know, before we got started, I asked about uh, your your site, your blog, uh, Oceans with Jim, which is all about mm-hmm. environmentalism and, and clearly a ton of diving uh, information, mm-hmm. you know, ocean uh, related. Because, I mean, that's, that's where you see things change in the environment so much, so vastly, so quickly, is in the oceans and, and on the shores rather than um, other things sometimes. So, Absolutely, it's interesting I, yeah. because I just I just presumed there was a connection. I had some vision of you know being on the the bowsprit of some naval vessel and you know, coming <laughs> to a, a realization of of the importance of you know. uh
1: there was, was in me before that. So that's, that's
0: before. <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. very good. Yeah, I love it. So, you um, your home right now yeah. Yes. And uh, and have been. I think it was the nineteenth. Was the, the the announcement from your governor that that uh, it was it was, pro- it was before then. then. So Social distancing was before then, and then there was like the news of the lockdown, as at least how they we were reporting it over here in the east. No, it was you
1: know I. Yeah, it was the twelfth. Is the twelfth? Had- it was
0: earlier. Okay, and yeah, uh, no, it was. Late. It was. It, it was, it was before. It was before St. Pat's. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it was
1: midnight on the. Is that right? Was it 12th? We went to Monterey. Yeah. Yeah, it was after we to Monterey. No, you're right. It was the 19th. It was the 19th. It was the
0: it was official word, but it was. I mean, there was. Word. There were there were policies in place before then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So our our that's right. So our uh, county there were mm-hmm. six counties that went into shelter in place on the 13th. Right. Oh, that's what it was.
0: Yeah, that's and right. Yeah, it was so a whole we're, bunch. We yeah.
1: were, we were in that we ended up going to Monterey anyway (laughs) because we planned it and then we came back and then on the 19th the governor uh announced it and but interestingly i had been home since the fourth because of my situation right yeah
0: Uh, and we
1: were just starting to see some policies come down from corporate headquarters about travel and things right
0: uh, at that point right and uh, and so, what has that been like? It's been uh, is it, how tight is it? I mean, because around here, you know, Florida is uh, famously we affectionately refer to it as lawless Florida. So there's yeah. there's we have people playing basketball every afternoon and swimming in our local pool and all that stuff. And so
1: just, uh, the neighborhood's interesting. Uh, we see people out walking. I, I've been out doing a lot of projects around the house, mm-hmm. and so I, I see people walking by social distancing is absolutely being observed
0: mm-hmm.
1: People are keeping at least six feet away
0: mm-hmm.
1: i actually had a friend come pick up some things that i was giving to him the other day and right. and we stood a distance apart and and i mean personally i'm not terribly concerned about contracting the virus I, right i actually believe based on what i've seen that that most of us have probably been exposed at this point right uh, i don't have any facts to back that up, right. however, the reality is until we can test the entire population, we'll never know. Right. So, um, but the, the reality here is that yeah, for the past almost four weeks, one yeah, almost four weeks, I've been kind of sheltering in place anyway. Right now, right. the going to the supermarket is not a big deal. Uh, we went to Costco about a week and a half ago, and it right. was not a big deal. Right. Uh, People are are keeping their distance. They're being right. respectful. Yeah. Um, well, you see a lot of people wearing gloves or, or masks mm-hmm. you know, to to meet their current belief in what they should do. Right, and that's fine. At the end of the day, uh, I don't I don't disinfect the stuff that, that I get from the supermarket. I, yeah. I personally think that's overkill. Uh, and you know, we're just we're just being careful right uh, we go out very seldom i mean usually it's the hardware store to, to get something for a project we're doing at
0: the house <laughs> right. or
1: it's a supermarket
0: right
1: uh, we're trying to support our local businesses by ordering takeout occasionally right our my yoga teacher made a you know he started a zoom channel and and asked people to donate if they could and he would continue doing yoga classes until until the uh, yoga shala actually started setting it up so that they can keep paying their folks. And, right. and so people are getting creative. Uh, we, we would go to, uh, orange theory fitness every morning. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my girlfriend goes, would go almost every weekday and mm-hmm. I'd go a couple times a week because I have other things that I do. But now we are running two miles three to four days a week. First thing in the morning. So early, we get yeah. up early, we run out. There's nobody out. Right. People still commute. There are people who, who have to commute, right. the first responders, the medical
0: folks, mm-hmm.
1: the people who work in the critical businesses, uh, people whose offices don't support uh, remote work. Right. But at the end of the day, people are, are being pretty decent about it to this point.
0: Yeah. That's Although good.
1: we That's... Did hear today that they're going to extend the shelter-in-place statewide probably through the end of April. Just right. Oh, they, as a matter of fact, they just announced it. So yeah, they're officially sheltering in place until the end of the month
0: of next okay. month. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And that's and we're just hearing more and more here. And they're they're you know here because we have sort of a uh, call it a pro business governor. <laughs> he never likes to say you know because he he wants to remind people we're going back to work we're going to be going back to work yeah. all that kind of stuff and i get that that's that's all I don't, I don't think that's out of bounds but um you know for me i would i would prefer to have a little bit more um clarity over you know <laughs> what's the situation now you know right. and we don't have we're not testing the way you know they are in new york for example uh, for obvious right. reasons um the way New York is testing, but um,
1: and, and Europe is working on an antigen test.
0: And yeah, it's a, strip. it's a
1: finger prick and a strip, and I think that if we could get that mass massively distributed across mm-hmm. the world, right, it would really help inform. All right, how widespread is this, and how bad is it? Right, because all the numbers that people throw around for of what they are, in my mind, are actually meaningless until we know how many people have been exposed and infected.
0: Right. And we right. will
1: not know that until the antigen test is widely available.
0: Right. And so what's the, what's the mood around, around you guys out there?
1: The general feeling that I get because we, you know, we're not out talking to people mm-hmm. in general,
0: is that people are doing the
1: best they can and relatively upbeat, uh, myself. So, you know, I, I I'm in the job market right now and, and a friend of mine just, was retired from law enforcement, and he's mm. in the job market right now. Right, we're both having. It's a different paradigm.
0: I would think. I know you mentioned your situation earlier, and I, I, yeah. I get to that is is you know you're. Uh, uh, you had a whole career in the Navy, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We and mm-hmm. you worked for um, Pacific Gas and Electric for mm-hmm. six years or so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and now you're in as of you know, like you said, a month ago or so, you're in the job market. So yeah. what is that like? That's gotta be, you know, I mean, everything's virtual, as they say right now, but sooner or later.
1: So, um, yeah, I think the only real difference is I think things have slowed down. Hmm. Uh, what would normally be done in the office and people are, would be focused on, on vetting applicants and and getting back to them and, and, and holding interviews, uh, I feel like it's slowed down, yeah, I do know that it's happening. I know right. people are getting hired. I know uh, you know working remotely isn't necessarily a, uh, something that's untenable for a lot of companies,
0: right
1: and uh, I just think it's a matter of patience i, I have, I'm very grateful to have come out of the company I came out of because i'm currently on full pay through the first week of May. Mm-hmm. And I'm actively pursuing other roles inside that company. And if one of those works out, then nothing really changes for me other than the specific role. Right. However, if I don't get that, then I get a severance package, which that and unemployment will take me through the end of the year. I'm feeling pretty good just about my personal situation. Right. Uh, I'm also, of course, very desirous to, to get something going. Right. Uh, I, uh, my honey-do list is about exhausted at this point. <laughs> I've I planted four trees. We, we're we're redoing the backyard. I'm currently redoing the pantry. Right. So, <clears throat> keeping busy around the house, uh, but it's you know you can only watch so much Netflix or or et cetera. Right. And so having something to actively generate my mind and you can't stay on the job boards for more than an hour or two a day because it'll make you nuts
0: that makes that's, it crazy yeah i mean it's it's a fact. whole you know yeah you, they they say looking for a job is a full-time job but it's not really i mean it's it's it, it yeah be. no it's just not it's not if you're looking for the right job anyway right so there you go so your career mm-hmm. uh the largest part of your career was in the navy
1: yes
0: and um you know you and i have have, have uh you know knew, knew each other from the old days uh yes. and we came from an area and i just learned this moving to florida because where we moved was a very it's a very uh we have a military base here patrick air force base is right here mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i was exposed to this whole military culture that i never knew growing up right. um what was it that what was it that got you going into the navy in the first place that was interesting i, you know, I was i was
1: in my i started my senior year in college and i had an opportunity to stay at the company that I'd been interning for, actually since high school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I looked at that and I said, you know, I don't wanna do that. Uh-huh. And so I looked at what interested me and aviation really interested me. Right. And so I called the Air Force and the Navy on the same day. <laughs> and the Navy recruiter had me in her office taking the tests and applying the next day and the air force recruiter called me two and a half weeks later and i said dude you're too late
0: (laughs) when uh, opportunity knocks you have to answer the door right
1: (laughs) so i was the last pilot recruited out of uh harrisburg district in 1990 and i actually had to wait i had to wait a year from graduation to start because there was a drawdown And I went to aviation officer candidate school. And if you've Mm -hmm. seen the movie, an officer and a gentleman, you'll get the sort of idea of what that was like. Right. Uh, And I went right into flight training and I wound up flying for 15 years straight. So my first several, um, or my first several assignments in the Navy were flying aircraft. And it was a great career. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And I got to see the world. I mean, I've been all over the world. I've I've, I've done all kinds of different things. Um, I feel very fortunate never to have fired a shot in anger or been shot at, uh, although that was potentially uh, something that could have happened. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it worked out very, very well. It was a great career for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know it, it, the interesting part, and people comment on this. When I retired, I was ready to leave. Right. And a lot of people who are in the military and make a career of it, it is it defines them, mm-hmm. and it never defined me. It was, it wasn't who I was. It was what I did. Right. And so I always saw it as my job. Right. And I had a lot of great opportunities. It's opened a lot of doors. It 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 really drove my passion for leadership and management and helping people learn to be better and do things that they need to do for themselves and for others. Right. But at the end of the day, it was um I was done. And the transition for me was relatively simple. I had a great person recruit me into PGE. And I I've spent the past six years there uh-huh. uh, trying trying to to stay there. We'll see right. if that works. And if not, I'm in. I'm in a hub of, of work area that, that that has need for the skill set that I bring to the table.
0: Right, and your your skill set is really interesting because I mean, you, first off, you're you know you're a flyer for a long time, which which involves a certain amount of um, all different types of of skills, not the least of which is uh, we talked about managing risk, and sure. uh, you know. Uh, uh, Understanding of co- complex uh, machinery and all that kind of stuff, um, but you ended up. Your I'm looking at your your title again: uh, executive director, commanding officer, operational support center in Alameda is the last one. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn profile, anyway. <clears throat> where you where you managed 850 people, right? You said right, which is no yeah. small task by itself.
1: <laughs> it was interesting, you know. I had 32 units. Uh, who reported into me, uh-huh. and uh, so I had 32 unit commanding officers who administratively reported to me, right and 650 Navy reservists, 200 Marine Corps reservists. Uh, it was interesting. The Marines in Alameda are Force Recon Marines, so they're right. uh, they're fairly intense human beings,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
1: <laughs> and so they were a lot of fun. And but at the end of the day. I was basically the face of the Navy in the Bay Area, and to be honest, it opened a lot of doors. It was I was again very fortunate to have ended there. Uh, I was up for my next promotion, and and just decided I was just over it. I was right. I was not going to the East Coast, so uh, I ended up in a place that I love, and I right. uh, and I and I was able to leverage the opportunities uh, that I had built to uh, to make it happen um you know it did it prepare me for what we're going through right now I, I think my mindset is more accepting of what we're going through right now than maybe someone who has no background there i think any of your law enforcement folks your first responders right you know, your military folks sure they're gonna they're gonna all automatically okay this is what we're doing now right but there are people who've experienced similar uh, jobs or functions, I think probably are, are doing okay as well. And,
0: uh, and so, yeah. Right. That's, a, that's an interesting point. I mean, I think because uh, certain people who have, uh, have been in certain careers or certain uh, jobs um, deal with, I don't want to say, uh, it's not hardship, it's a deal with chaos differently. Than yeah. than people who haven't been. So, for example, I uh, I grew up. My first job out of school was as a newspaper reporter. Granted, it was a local newspaper, and it was a local uh, a, a local reporter reporter's job. But every time you get into a situation, your your first training is really to ask questions and learn more, mm-hmm. and and figure out what's going on for real. Yeah. Uh, versus somebody who's a first responder, they have you know, standard operating procedures for things. Uh, in the military, you you have to have the same thing. You know, you have this, now we have a logistical solution for that. And if that doesn't fit exactly, then we adjust the part that doesn't fit, right? So it's yep. not, so there's, it's a step-by-step, it's a logical process. It's not like, oh my God, my hair's on fire. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is, is, you know, I, I saw, um, panic shoppers in our, in our local publics over the last wow. few weeks and it's like I'm like toilet paper really that's the thing I, I don't understand so um, yeah. those are I, people I, I, I think who, who aren't used to the, the logical progression of these things
1: well and, and when you think about it you say okay so how what is this impacting so I look right. at this very practically what's being impacted well farms aren't being impacted Uh, supply chains are not being impacted unless the supplies are coming from China and now that may be opening back up Mm -hmm. Uh, and and the ability you know restaurants and and things like that so how does that impact my life from a from a day-in day-out basis other than the inconvenience of not being able to go to a movie theater or a restaurant right and it doesn't
0: it doesn't really No.
1: it really does not and that's Um. So when I looked at people panic buying toilet paper, I was doing research. I'm like, why are people panic buying toilet paper?
0: Yeah. And
1: the sociologist uh, came up with this, hey, it's something that they can go and get, and it's not expensive,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it makes them feel better.
0: Right. It's a control people, thing.
1: People were looking for reassurance. Right. Hey, I can still go out and buy a giant jumbo pack of toilet paper.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Right now,
1: I can go, you know, now two or three weeks later, I can go do the same thing again because the the supply chains are are catching up. Right. No one saw that coming because it doesn't make sense.
0: No, there's no logic to it. Yeah.
1: Right. But again, it made people feel better. And so the same thing people were buying 20 gallons of milk, and I don't know what the hell they were doing with it. (laughs) They were were freezing freezing it. it.
0: They were freezing it around here.
1: But the same thing, you know, The, the farms are still working, the deliveries are still happening. The only thing that our local supermarket does not have is a steady supply of, of toilet paper or paper towels. And, and right. that has changed. I haven't been in over a week. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's over time. That's eventually people are going to realize I have, you know, I have plenty mm-hmm. I can yeah. do. You know, I mean, I went last week because we were running low. I went and was in as the one of the first 15 people into the local Walmart and I was able to get a, a big package of toilet paper. and then. Yeah. Okay. Now we're good until we're not good again. it. Um, right. And you're good for the next month or so. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely.
1: Everybody. Very good. We, we were actually, it was interesting. We were fortunate because we had done a Costco run and bought a big pack and then segueing back into the environmental piece, we, uh, we said, Hey, let's get from who gives a crap. Cause they roll it. You know, it's all recycled and, right. and they wrapped it in paper. And so we okay. wound getting a whole case from who gives a crap before they ran out. Uh-huh. And so when this whole thing started, we had like 90 rolls of toilet paper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're in good shape. All right. And it was, no,
1: it was no free planning. It just happened to be that way. <laughs>
0: it was just one of those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. We've been in great shape for that. And, uh, and we have not wanted for anything at this point. And so that's really fortunate. And, you know, another thing that we we were doing before and and it's still going on is we were um you know we have a meal delivery service. You know, oh cool. Make it home meals. So and that's still happening. And nice. so you know, we're still getting those deliveries every Monday and and that's three dinners a week and and so it's you know, the relative impact on my life if you remove if you remove the job plan right has been honestly minimal.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fortunate. That's really good. That's good to hear. Do you have, do you have have anybody, uh, near you, uh, close to you who's tested positive so far? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, me neither. And I I don't know that I've, I've come across that yet. I mean, I I have this, this. So
1: so here's the thing. I I did a business trip to Oklahoma, um,
0: the very first week of March. Okay.
1: And I came back, no, actually the last week of, February and I came back and that weekend before you know the basically the first of March I had what I would consider a cold or flu right and it lasted two days right and so from everything that you know that I can tell it wasn't that yeah Uh, my girlfriend's been with me the whole time she didn't even get sick right but then you hear about people who are completely asymptomatic
0: right then there's a lot of them oh, apparently.
1: and 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 the people who are who are you know have different reactions to it and that may very well have been it have been right. just a cold i had a low-grade fever for a couple of days and mm-hmm. and i i don't get sick often uh, i right. i actually had a run of maybe 15 years where i did not catch a cold at all right and um and so I don't know if this was it or not. Uh, no one's going to give me a test right now. Right, and right. So what we need is we need these antigen tests to be produced and distributed so that people can test themselves. Yeah, but yes, I did have it or I've been exposed and I was asymptomatic, but my body fought it off, so I don't have any issues. Yeah. And, and then people can say, hey, I, I've, I've been exposed. My body has produced the antibodies so right. I'm I'm safe, right? You think that might bring some relief to some people? <laughs> right,
0: right, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, data is really our maybe our best friend throughout mm-hmm. all of this, and we just don't have enough of it.
1: And, and the problem kind of judgment. with judgment. Problem with the current data is that it is skewed. Yes, yeah. it's, radic- it's radically skewed because yeah. the radical skewing of the data to confirmed cases. Well, we're only testing people who we suspect. Right. Happen. right. And so now we are only testing symptomatic people. We're only collecting data from symptomatic people. Right. And therefore the mortality rates are skewed only to symptomatic people. Right. And right. the impacts on, on people's health is only skewed to symptomatic people. Right. It, it's actually, it's, it's radically skewing this to the worst case. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I get that this is terrible. Right. I get that, that we could have 200,000 people in the U.S. die from this this year. Right. Completely understand that. Yeah. But the, the reality is we do not know what the actual percentages, numbers, et cetera, are, because we right. cannot test adequately at this point.
0: No, that's absolutely true, that's absolutely true. And there's, I mean, there's no, There are also, from what we know, uh, at least anecdotally, if, if only <laughs> anecdotally from, from Italy and China. And, and, you know, cause I, every time you raise China around here, people say, Oh, you believe the data you get from, oh, of course, I don't believe all the data I get from China, but, no. uh, I do. You believe know the, the data you get from the U S not always mm-hmm. either. And I do, <laughs> but I do know, I, I know what I know. And I, right. and what, you know, I factor out what I don't know for a second and say, okay. Um, based on what I do know, um, you know, I think, social distancing is probably a good idea. And I think it's, yeah. you know, if we don't do any of that, it's going to be a lot worse and, yeah. you know, all that. So I think, you know, there's, you know, and, and
1: it's the, not about me
0: who's not
1: worried about catching it. It's about who I might pass it on to.
0: Right. I mean, and that's the impact the it might
1: have on them. Right. That's really what, what we're talking
0: about. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean like today, uh, well, you're a Navy guy, you're a, a military guy. Mm-hmm. Today I saw the uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, yes. the Comfort sailed into New York Harbor.
1: Yep. You know and the Mer- the Mercy is in L.A. and I. Yeah. Interestingly, I used to be uh, when I was in San Diego, uh, I could look out my office window at the Mercy.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, that's yeah, cool. that's cool. <laughs> so. But it's funny you see these things and and you see uh, and and I'm I'm looking at how people are responding to it, at least in my network and they're all kind of like, oh, this is a great, it makes me feel good that they're doing this, blah, 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 and all, all that's true, but it, but the other side is, we have a big medical ship sailing into New York Harbor. I mean, did you, did yeah. you ever imagine in your lifetime you'd see a need for that? No. Uh, so it's not, kind of, it's, I'm having kind of an oddball. Yeah. Feeling. Mm-hmm. Because um, they, I mean, they clearly they do really important work but you, you picture them doing important work in other parts more dangerous parts of the world
1: well the last last time i'm i'm aware of the comfort going out like that uh, they went to haiti after the earthquake right
0: right exactly right so anyway all right so i i appreciate your time absolutely uh and and getting a little bit of a, a perspective from california because mm-hmm. uh, you know Uh, In the reporting, we get, you know, oh, those people from California, those people from New York. We don't get to actually talk to those people from those places. So I appreciate that. Uh, So what are you doing tomorrow? Tomorrow?
1: (laughs) I don't know. It feels like Groundhog Day. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I know. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? All right.
1: You know, yeah, the the calendar is pretty open. uh, I think I actually have a, a job a job uh, hunting uh, virtual meeting tomorrow.
0: Excellent. So that's the news from California, uh, or at least one story from California, from one guy who's in a pretty good position while being on the job hunt during a global pandemic. Uh, they're continuing the distance. They're continuing to be patient or as patient as we can hope to be during these crazy times um, and I hope we can all do what we can to help each other um, through all of this. Thanks for listening. Be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the Storyforge podcast, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts or we're on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of Nimble Smith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces numerous podcasts, including the truly excellent A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. The music on the podcast was provided by Jody Nardone and the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. And if you'd like to send us questions or feedback or suggestions for other subjects or guests, you can reach us through the StoryForge website. That's thestoryforge.com, all words separated by hyphens. Or you can email us at cheers at nimblesmith.com, spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H. Thanks very much.